Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and today is a very special interview. I am so excited for you to hear from the incredible Catherine Lucas. She is the founder of Farmhouse Culture, and I bet you've heard of them before. If you haven't, if you don't have something already tasty in your refrigerator right now, um, I'm really thr- thrilled to hear from her today. But just to tell you a little bit more before she introduces herself more more thoroughly. Catherine is, like I said, the founder of Fermented Food Leader Farmhouse Culture, which is a company started in 2008, and she has a rich knowledge of the fermentation process that started with her love of fresh sauerkraut. Farmhouse Culture is known for its organic, probiotic, rich offerings like kraut, gut shots, I love those, and fermented vegetables. Lucas's first book will be released in the summer of 2019, that's just around the corner, by 10 Speed Press. Oh my goodness, Catherine, it is such a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you for coming on. Oh, Cassie, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh my, the, like I said, I, I, we, we pow out a little bit before I started reporting press recording and um, I was just, the honor is really mine. I'm thrilled to talk with you. So I would love it if you could tell us just a little bit more about yourself and about farmhouse culture and about the, the big project you're working on right now. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm a California girl who fell in love with a German and ended up owning a restaurant in Germany and learning how to cook over there. And I, as a kid, refused to eat the canned kraut that my grandfather love to serve, uh, you know, every couple of weeks. And um, I got to Germany and discovered kraut in a whole different light when a farmer that we bought some of our products from gave me a fork full of fresh kraut from a barrel. Mm. Up until that point, even though I was learning, even though I knew how to cook, I still didn't understand that sauerkraut was fermented in a barrel. I just thought it was cabbage and vinegar because that's what it tasted like to me. Mm-hmm. And when I tasted this fresh kraut, I was blown away. It was, it was one of these moments of just pure love. I, I couldn't believe it was the same stuff that I had rejected as a kid. And so I became fascinated with it. Uh, And when I came back to the States, um, having learned Northern European whole cuisine sort of uh, cooking, um, to be honest, I was a little bored with it, Um, Mm -hmm. needed to finish raising my son also, Uh, ended up in front of the house management and and hated it, Um, Mm -hmm. was a food and beverage director and down in Carmel and, and just hated all of it and wanted to get back to the kitchen. So I went through a natural chef culinary program and... Uh, learned how to ferment. And I remembered that fresh kraut and it all clicked. And I just went wild. It was like giving a painter new colors to paint with. That's what it felt like having these fermentation flavors. Mm. Um, And so I started fermenting like crazy and was thinking about what sort of, I knew I was going to do another business. I wasn't sure what it was. And in the meantime, I started selling my sauerkraut through a friend's CSA. I was using their cabbage and they're like, hey, why don't you bottle some of your kraut up and let's see if we can sell it through the CSA. And and one thing led to another and all of a sudden I had a business and um, all of a sudden I couldn't keep up with, with the orders that I was getting through the CSA. So I thought, you know, maybe I'm onto something here. And we were not, I wasn't making, you know, like basic kraut, which I love, by the way, but I was also making smoked jalapeno kraut and apple fennel kraut and horseradish leek kraut and all these flavors that I was inspired 
by either, you know, regionally or some of the cultures that were around me at that time, like uh, our smoked jalapeno crop, for instance, is inspired by curtido. And I had an El Salvadorian roommate at one point who taught me how to make traditional curtido. And mm. so I just, uh, all these different influence influences, um, you know, help to create some of these flavors. And then, yeah, uh, 2000, yeah, 2000, it's, let's see, Labor Day 2000. Eight, Slow Food Nation happened in San Francisco. It only happened once. They thought forty or fifty thousand people were going to show up. Uh, over a hundred thousand people showed up. Oh my goodness! I I, I had um, I was very into the slow food movement, mm-hmm. and I had read somewhere on they have an arc of taste that sauerkraut, fresh, raw, unpasteurized sauerkraut, was in danger of going extinct. Mm. And I thought, well, this is like, no, this is back, you know, back quite a few years ago. I thought, isn't that interesting? I bet they would be interested in my smoked jalapeno kraut. So I sent in a sample and I don't know how many people, uh, they selected, I think, something like 260 of us out of a, a couple thousand or something, who knows what it was, but a lot. And I got to bring my smoked jalapeno sauerkraut there. And I just finished writing about this in, in the book. So I won't go into too much about it, but we handed out over 8,000 samples and and sold over a thousand pounds of kraut and oh my goodness i was completely blown away and the editor of the san francisco um chronicle uh, the food editor at the time said it was the best thing she tasted at the event i think it blew people away because it just had never crossed their mind to put smoked jalapenos in kraut and what's fresh kraut and what this is weird mm-hmm. and i decided you know what that's it i'm going for it so i in February 2009, finally leased a, a real proper facility, started production, and within, I think, four months, I was in Whole Foods. <laughs> I mean, oh it just my goodness. It happened really, really fast. And it was like riding, you know, a wild bucking bronc. That's what it <laughs> felt like for, for many years. And uh, I think that the timing was was right, and and now we are you know, in, uh, somebody just sent me a picture the other day of our product in Mexico. Oh like, my what? Are you kidding me? So we are now, we sell our product in Canada, the United States, Australia, and now I can say Mexico. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate about getting as many healthy live microbes into as many guts and, and uh, bellies as possible, because I do believe that these foods can have a remarkable healing effect on uh, people and on overall in the culture. Oh my goodness. This is so exciting. I'm just, the the inner me is just doing backflips and cheering. That's so exciting. What a wonderful story. And I cannot wait to read more about it. And uh, I'm also a, I like to say now that I moonlight as a nutrition consultant, (laughs) it used to be my full-time gig and now I do a whole lot of other business stuff. As you know, business Mm -hmm. people who start businesses accidentally then become passionate about business. (laughs) Right, right. But um, that is so exciting. And as you know, the nutritionist in me definitely gets even more excited. Yes, from the I'm excited from an entrepreneurial perspective. That's really a wonderful story. But my goodness, thank you for bringing such a fabulous, really important product to market and seeing that through. I cannot tell you, Catherine, how many folks, whether it was back when I was working with one-on-one clients or back when we opened up a, the Fed and Fit Project, which was an online program, but we told people, if you're looking for a way to get really great probiotics in your daily farmhouse is the one that we love the most, really wonderful flavors, you're not going to be bored. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Cassie. Of course, I mean it. And I really, I've got, um, we have several flavors in our refrigerator right now. I'm just a huge, huge fan. Really? Was, what's, your, what's your favorite? Oh, the beet one, I think. Oh, the ginger beets, yeah. Oh, that is, I, that's hands down my, which is, which is perfect. My husband doesn't like beets in any form. And so he's afraid to try it, which works. Cause I don't want to tell him that it's really delicious. <laughs> I get it out for myself. <laughs> and I do, oh. I love anything a little spicy. So I, I just, I do love them all. I would love it if you could share with folks a little bit about your perspective of why fermented foods are such a beneficial part of a normal diet. Well, uh, it's always hard to know where to start because it's such a huge mm -hmm. subject, right? I mean, as a nutritionist, you understand that more than anybody. But we evolved with these fermented foods and, um, and these live culture foods. And I'll talk a little bit more about the distinction between the two in a minute. But we've been eating these for literally thousands of years, uh, these types of foods and drinks. And then... All of a sudden, <laughs> we stopped. And um, when Louis Pasteur um, discovered you know, microbes in food um, and pathogens, mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, pasteurization became the way we treated a lot of different foods. And it was a remarkable science and technology that helped save thousands, if not you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, Sauerkraut wasn't one of those <laughs> foods that needed to be pasteurized, um, but they didn't understand it at that point. This is about 150 years ago. So we started sterilizing our world. We started a war on bacteria. Sandor Katz, who's the godfather of the modern fermentation movement, um, he, he, you know, talks about the war on bacteria in caps, you know, like we really have... Um, just gone to extremes to sterilize our world. And, and what's happened is um, something called what, what, well, what nutritionists and scientists are calling the Western gut has emerged. Um, we have um, pretty pathetic guts uh, and nobody knows exactly what a, an ideal gut microbiome looks like. Mm -hmm. But when scientists like Jeff Leach and Rob Knight through the American Gut Project, uh, when they study populations, hunter-gatherer tribes in Africa and South America, um, who are more susceptible to infectious diseases and that sort of thing, or getting killed by a lion or whatever, but they have almost none of our modern diseases, mm -hmm. almost none, like diabetes, autism, arthritis, heart disease. It's, it's, it's the epidemic of autoimmune diseases we have in this country. They don't exist in these, in these, in these uh, tribes. And so there's a lot of research looking at what, what are these tribes eating? Why are their gut microbiomes so different? And what they all will tell you, all of these researchers, is two things seem to really stand out. Fermented foods and fiber. Mm. And um, I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole there, but <laughs> I think it's it's... I think these microbes are so important to have back in our diets now that we understand, um, you know, that it's safe to eat them unpasteurized. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can uh, I experience so many health benefits from, um, you know, indigestion issues, 
to you know getting off sugar and 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 getting on to, and getting a healthy fermented foods diet a balanced diet with plenty of fermented foods can i mean we know lots of different cases because we used to do 14 farmers markets a week at one point where we would see transformations in people's moods mm. um we would see people on heartburn medicine get off heartburn medicine and we're not we are not nutritionists or doctors and we don't ever prescribe fermented foods but plenty of doctors are now mm. because we know what a shift it can it can it can be for so many people um, with autoimmunes, especially whose guts are leaky and that sort of thing. So I can go way deep into this stuff because I just finished writing about it. So <laughs> I'll leave it at that for now. And if you have more specific questions, go for it. <laughs> I love it. Well, could you, you know, I, I like to, I like to have just enough information to be dangerous. You know, it's one of those, I find that a, a lot of uh, this fed and fit community, um, we, we like to dig down into the details when, when we want it, like maybe diving into an upcoming publication <laughs> of yours. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think that folks really just value being able, how do you be conversational about something like this at your next cocktail party? You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, those are definitely the biggest hitting backs. I would love, could you walk us through a little bit? This is definitely something that I don't know. Could you walk us through the fermentation process? How, what, what's involved there? What does it look like? Yeah, yeah. So broadly speaking, almost two thirds of the world's food is fermented. Uh, beer, wine, chocolate, coffee, all kinds of foods that you wouldn't, salami, wouldn't necessarily suspect are actually fermented. And, and um, but when we talk about our products, we're talking about products that are fermented and live culture. The microbes are still active. So sometimes uh, fermentation is used to tran enzymatically transform ingredients to make them more bioavailable nutritionally mm -hmm. uh, or to make them tastier. Uh, and in both cases, that's accurate for, for sauerkraut. So fermented vegetables in general. So uh, let me walk you through the process of, of the sauerkraut fermentation just to keep it simple. Yes. When cabbage comes in from the field, it is teeming with lactic acid bacteria. Mm -hmm. And you know when you bring like a plum home from the market, there's that white powder on it sometimes? Yes. That's essentially lactic acid bacteria. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons you shouldn't wash that plum until you're ready to eat it is because that lactic acid bacteria is actually protecting the plum from invaders, uh, from other microbes, from other yeasts, and, and keeping it intact uh, and fresh for you. So same with cabbage. Cabbage is very abundant in lactic acid bacteria. We chop it up, we mix it with salt, and then we, uh, it makes its own brine, and then we submerge uh, all of the cabbage underneath its own brine. Mm. And by creating this environment, what we're doing is selecting for the bacteria that we want uh, and, that, and, and selecting for the bacteria that we don't want. So mm. a lot of bacteria are not salt tolerant. And so, especially, you know, like some of the yeasts and the molds, they don't like salt at all. So um, there's this crazy process that first seven days of fermentation, all kinds of bacteria are competing for who's going to win. They're digesting the sugar mm -hmm. in the cabbage, and then they're off-gassing a little carbon dioxide. And every time they do that, they multiply. And by the time um, the second or third generation of bacteria come through, the, the bacteria that are being created, their byproduct is sour mm -hmm. and it's acidic. 
So they're producing acids. So after 21 to 28 days, you've got this beautiful um, naturally fermented um, cabbage that now has vitamin B12 in it that didn't have before. It's much more bioavailable um, and it's full of these live microbes. And some of the microbes that are more prevalent, well, the, the one that really is most prevalent is called um, Lactobacillus plantarum. Mm -hmm. And in gut studies, they talk about that bacteria as being if they find that in your gut, that's a good thing. It's a really, really healthy bacteria. It's been studied for a long time. We know it's really good for you. So the, those are the bacteria that actually, uh, when they duplicate themselves, they are the ones creating the sour. And, and then you move the product. So in the old days, they used to just uh, uh, ferment. They, they take it, they ferment it, and then they take it down to the cellar and let it finish down there, and it'd stay down there for you know, months, right? Mm -hmm. Through the winter months. And, and in order to make it uh, last through the winter months and early spring, uh, they would heavily salt it. Now, because uh, we can move ours into refrigeration, we don't have to use as much salt. Uh, and so what we do is after 21 to 28 days, depending on the product, we move it into refrigeration. That slows the bacteria down and they'll stay, al they'll stay alive in slow motion They'll stay alive for another anywhere from between nine and 12 months, depending on the product. Mm. So even after the bacteria, the live microbes start to, to die off because they run out of food to eat, the product is still wonderfully healthy and uh, safe to eat. It just doesn't have the rich microbes in them. So it's, you know, people eat sauerkraut that's three and four years old, you know, mm -hmm. and, and because it tastes good or you can cook with it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's essentially the fermentation process of sauerkraut. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. I just learned so much. Good, <laughs> good, good. That is so interesting. Okay, and so that does, does bring up a quick question in my mind. If you're wanting to cook with sauerkraut, um, I would assume that that would then destroy some of these really important little guys that you're finding in your raw kraut. That's right. That's right. Got it. And, you know, for the book, um, you know, the meal that we made with the photo team, I was just in San Francisco with the photo team a few days ago, and we made a, a dish called charcut garni. Mm -hmm. uh, garni. Yeah, charcut garni. It's a French dish. It's an Alsatian dish. And the chef I learned to cook with was Alsatian. So it's a, it's a comfort food for me. And it's essentially sauerkraut baked with all different types of cuts of meat and you know sausage and pork chops and potatoes and it's all cooked in a big casserole and it's it's very comforting but you kill all the, mm -hmm. all the microbes um but you feed the soul yeah. <laughs> yeah and what we did is what we we actually had some apple fennel kraut that we'd made for the book so we served that alongside uh, the dish uh to the crew and it was um, you know, that's the way we got our probiotics. So there are times that cooking with, with sauerkraut is, is quite lovely, a quite mm -hmm. lovely thing to do, especially if you had wine and apples and onions and, oh. duck, you know, <laughs> that sounds so fabulous. I have a, I, there's a recipe in my first book. Our second book is scheduled to come out in January of 19. Oh, wow. And in my first book, there's a recipe in there and it's still, to your point, one of my favorite comfort food and it's so easy to put together but we take sauerkraut 
and line the bottom of a pan with it and then put shredded potatoes on top of that or potatoes first, then the kraut. And then we take, um, what is it? Bratwursts and put mm. those on top and just bake the whole thing together till the brats are nice and brown and then top with fresh dill, serve it with some spicy mustard. Oh, it okay. is oh. so good. Right. But it's, and so interesting. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, and there's still, there's still plenty of health benefits yes. in that, in that cat, in that kraut, even though it's mm-hmm. been cooked, it just, you've killed the vitamin C and you've killed the microbes, but right. again, you can serve a little fresh on the side and you get your comfort and your microbes. I love it. Or have it for breakfast. You know, that's one of, that's one of my favorite things, Catherine, is to front load your day with all of those important things. I like, I'm definitely on team kale for breakfast and, you know, just getting some good, um, some of that methylated folate from spinach, get that in first thing in the morning, maybe a little bit of liver and maybe some raw kraut, put that on your plate first thing in the morning. You can just knock it out. Um, and it's so funny. You talk about your time in Germany and tasting fresh sauerkraut for the first time. My grandfather was uh, fought in world war two and he was stationed there. And I am going to forget the the name of the tiny town that he was at. He was essentially uh, they were stranded there for about five months. And he, oh and he talks about this sweet old German couple that just fed them bread and sauerkraut from their cellar. And he said, that's not, he says, I've never had sauerkraut like that since. And he's yeah. since passed, but it's always piqued my curiosity. When I first tried farmhouse, I thought, I wonder if this is what Papa was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably. Especially the one with caraway. That's a very classic Bavarian style. Is it? That's good to know. I'm going to, I'm going to serve that up for my family one time and talk about it. I would love to know what are some of your favorite ways maybe to get fermented intake into your diet? Uh, you know, I say, I'd like to plop a little on my breakfast plate. Do you have any favorite products or hacks that you uh, have found that have been really successful over the years? Yeah. So, you know, we were just talking about the classic caraway, which, you know, I love creating all these flavors but the classic caraway is still my favorite. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite things to do is create salads out of our krauts. Ooh. So, um, and, and actually we had a, a customer from Israel who had emigrated from Poland there with her family many years ago. And this was a side dish that she said was on their table a couple of nights a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't invent this, uh, but she shreds, uh, carrots into, into the kraut uh, and then like let's call it a cup of carrots uh, into a pound of kraut and then um, like a half a cup of um, sliced green onions mm-hmm. and then toss it with some olive oil and you've got a gorgeous side salad. Sounds lovely. And and then you know one of my favorite ways to get um, kraut. I mean, I eat kraut a lot, right? I love the smoked jalapeno in an omelet. Mm. Um, you know, I just I throw it in at the very very last minute so it doesn't get hot. I love it with cheddar cheese. It's awesome on grilled cheese, but I can't really eat grilled cheese much anymore mm-hmm. um, and maintain my girlish figure. So that's a special <laughs> treat. <laughs> but what I what I do love is the gut shot. I put it in everything. I make salad dressings with it. I finish uh, sauces and soups with it. Um, I put it, of course, in my smoothies. And uh, my sister came up with a lemonade because Mm. she was trying to get more of it into her son, um, who's on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, she made this wonderful lemonade recipe with it. So that's what we drink in the summer now. And so that's, that's kind of what I do. I do a ton of gut shot. 
uh, probably a half a bottle a day in different in different formats. Like you replace half the vinegar in your salad dressing with kraut juice and uh, voila. And then the last one that I've recently discovered that I adore is uh, making ceviche with the smoked jalapeno kraut juice. So oh, half, lime, so half lime juice and half smoked jalapeno kraut juice. Oh my goodness. This makes me want to just cancel my afternoon, run to Whole Foods really quickly. <laughs> just come back. I'm going to make ceviche. We're going to make a bake just because you've got me good, good, good. salad dressings. Oh, that is so brilliant. Man, I hadn't even thought about those creative uses for the gut shots. I had just been sipping on them. Yeah. So. And you know what's really good? That ginger beet mm-hmm. is great in uh, like chocolate chocolatey smoothies you know, if you're adding like some cacao nibs and and that sort of thing I just love it like berries and chocolate together with a with a shot or two of the the um, ginger beet it seems to really work oh my gosh that sounds so wonderful well you've just inspired my October <laughs> oh, good. oh good my recipe tinkering <laughs> in October that's so wonderful Catherine and then whatever I, I know that you're still in the trenches of this big project but whatever you want to share about this big project coming out um, your first book coming out in 2019 of summer would love to hear a little preview of it yeah so it is called uh, the farmhouse culture guide to um, fermentation Mm-hmm. And um, we're still kind of playing around with the sub, but I think it's going to be a practical guide to crafting live culture foods and drinks. And I wrote the book with my son, who worked in the company for a really long time with us, and he was our head fermentologist. And as the company grew, I got really fractured in a positive way um, and more a million hats. And so he took the deeper dive into fermentation and he really has his, his knowledge far exceeds mine at this point. And um, he's actually now living in Denmark and working for a company over there as their fermentologist. So he's, he's really into it. And this, he'd already written a book in Denmark. So this was his second book. So we wrote the book together and had a blast. Um, we also said we're probably not writing another book together. <laughs> we adore each other, but it's like, uh, maybe we're not going to do this again. It's also pretty intense when you're collaborating that closely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just finished shooting um, all of the uh, photography. Uh, we had to break it up in two sections. So I got home late late Friday night and we just finished, you know, with manuscript edits and, you know, late last night. And it's just, you know, I'm in the throes of it right now. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it's, we're really excited about it and it will come out, I think in June, 2019. And, uh, um, hopefully it will be a practical guide that goes a little deeper than some of the books that are currently out there. We get kind of technical, mm-hmm. um, for those who want to get more technical, but, you know, if you don't want to go that route, you can also, you know, take it a little bit easier and play with some of the easier recipes. Uh, but we've got everything from kraut to kimchi to kombucha to we're even doing um, herbal herbal beers and uh, kvass. We call it beet sour. Uh, com, you know, uh, we do a water kefir soda. We've just got a, just everything you can imagine fermented, uh, even yogurt. So it's it's been so fun. It's been exhausting and fun and and I, I've loved every minute of it. That sounds like a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exhausting, 
fun, love every minute of it. And as soon as you turn it in, it's like finishing a marathon. You think, okay, I think I'm good. I'm just not going to do one of those again. And then, and then time goes on and you're going to have another brilliant idea, Catherine. I just know it. Um, my goodness, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book and we will stay abreast and I will definitely let the Fed and Fit world know about uh, when that is live because I can't wait to sink my teeth into it. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, Cassie. I really appreciate it. Oh my goodness. It is definitely my pleasure. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time again to come on today's show. Could you just tell folks a little bit about where they can find your wonderful products and where they maybe can find you online and then also so that they get the most up-to-date notices of your next, of your book coming out. Yeah. So um, if you go to farmhouseculture.com, we've got a, a location finder there. Um, but we do, we're in, I think, something like 8,000 stores at the moment. So we are in just about every health food store and Whole Foods and a natural grocery you can think of, a lot of gourmet stores, and then starting to be in a lot more conventional stores. Uh, so if you put in your zip code, the location finder will tell you if, you know, what stores were in near you. And I uh, don't have a lot more information about the book details yet, but we'll definitely be posting information about it on the website as the editors get more information to us. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think, I think they can find everything there. And, um, and they can also reach me there if they, if they uh, go through info at, um, they'll pass on emails to me. And uh, I, I answer a lot of emails. I'm happy to do that. So if anybody wants to you know, talk directly or have a specific question that our team there can't answer, I'm happy to chat. Oh, Catherine, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. You have been so lovely. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I will go ahead and link, if you're driving and you can't remember to write all this stuff down, I will link to Farmhouse Culture in the show notes over at fedandfit.com. So we'll have everything ready for you there. Thank you again. Good luck finishing the, you know, the, the final sprint of turning in the book and getting all those ducks lined up. And I will definitely be cheering you on. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Cassie. Absolutely. And everybody else, thanks for joining us. As always, we'll be back again next week.